Welcome to Gente and Health, a podcast by the Center for the Study of Latino Health and Culture. I'm the Center's Director, David Hayes Bautista, the old Chicano professor. This podcast is an extension of the research we have been a part of for many years. So join us as we discuss the state of Latinos and as we unearth the voices of gente and health. Today, we have two guests from uh, UCLA Harbor. They are co-directors of the Family Medicine Residency, and they're both very, very good role models in terms of physician activists. Dr. Teresa Nevarez was born to Mexican immigrant parents whose father worked in the fields and taught her the difficulties undocumented migrants encounter while they're here in the United States. She was a first generation in her family to attend college right here at UCLA, founded by a Latino, as we always have to remind everybody. She earned here her degrees in kinesiology and psychology while working three part-time jobs. I mean, this is part of that post-millennial experience. She received her medical degree from Albany Medical College in New York, came back to California and did her family medicine residency and was chief residency in her fourth year at Harbor UCLA Family Medicine Residency Program. And so she is currently on the faculty at Harbor UCLA Family Medicine and associate clinical professor at the David Geffen School of Medicine here at UCLA, the Geffen campus as it's called. Previously, she was a residency program director for 12 years at Harbor UCLA. She is also currently the OB director and director of development and partnership for the Family Medicine Residency Program. She serves as the co-chair of the Harbor UCLA GME Diversity Council and holds leadership positions for Family Medicine Reentry Clinic for Justice Involved and for the Family Medicine Inpatient Medication Addiction Treatment Consult Service. As a faculty, her faculty focus has been to improve the educational pipeline by participating in the uh, David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA Prime Board of Directors and supporting mentoring activities at the residency level and advocating for health equity and the care of medically underserved patients by sitting on various hospital-wide committees to advocate for change. Doctora Nevarez, welcome. Thank you uh, so much uh, for asking me to um, stop by and talk to you. So I think now you're going to introduce Dr. Sanchez. Yes, yes, Dr. Gloria Sanchez, who is also the daughter of migrant workers who provided food for this country uh, and was not often thanked for that. Dr. Sanchez is bilingual, bicultural Latina physician who remains, as she says, hungry and humble. And she's ready to assess and decrease health disparities while teaching the next generation of physicians to make societal and healthcare systems change. She has completed a family medicine residency, faculty development, and medical education curriculum fellowship, and is now boarded in addiction medicine. For her, it's been a privilege to create a, curr a curriculum and patient-centered care that focus on patient-centered, trauma-informed care and helps address the stigma that negatively affects those struggling with addiction. In 2021, the first ever inpatient consult service at Harbor UCLA was started under her direction. Well, no surprise there. It provides timely evidence-based addiction medicine service, and that's critical to addressing the critical health care gap that does tragically still affect Latinx, Black, and homeless populations. Doctora Nevarez and Doctora Sanchez. Uh, could you, uh, one by one, uh, Doctora Nevarez, maybe start. If you just share with us, share with our listeners your journey into the healthcare profession. Just how how did you get to here? 
Thank you so much. And welcome, Dr. Sanchez, who's here uh, also. Um, my journey, I think, started into medicine um, as someone who grew up going to a doctor and the doctor would take care of the whole family. And so that's the only way I really knew is that one doctor can take care of the whole family. So that really showed me, hey, a doctor can do everything. So you'll see later on, that's why I chose family medicine. But during that time, I would go to the doctor with my grandma or my father. My father certainly learned some English uh, along the way and really noticed because um, I was there as a translating for them during their healthcare uh, visits that at times that they got different care because of the language um, inequities that were occurring and they may not have noticed that. And so I was I just started to see that because the the community of healthcare did not provide the same type of healthcare to those who did not know how to access healthcare, who did not speak the language. And that really inspired me to try to make a difference. And over the years as a child, I liked to teach. And so I learned along the way and I like science. So I was able to blend the two as I went to college that I wanted to become a doctor and um, really then became a doctor and in resident in medical school wanted to go into academics and uh, found a residency and stayed for uh, academic medicine. So, Dr. Sanchez, can you share your journey with us? Mucho gusto. This is such a privilege. Um, and I really always like to start my journey by saying on the shoulders of giants. And, and most of those giants were poor, starving, and never gave up. So I really I just honor my ancestors, but I also honor all the people that have helped me along the way, like you, Professor, who has so inspired um, so many generations, but in particular myself, to always thinking critically about how do we make sure us as Latinx here in California, make sure we make system change for for us now, but for future generations. So I think carrying a picket sign at an early age as a UFW baby member to even now and, and making sure I keep looking around and seeing what our gente needs um, is key. So um, I was privileged to be first generation college student as well. And um, really had to be convinced to go to a pretty quote unquote fancy school like Stanford. But I think what I love the most about my experience there was the, the machistas. And they really made, I think, an important um, impression on me on how can you remain active and still be a, a physician. So one thing um, that's always important is for my journey is making sure despite not being quote unquote with pre-med people, I always surrounded myself with very socially conscious, active people of all colors, not just Latinos. So I think that's been a big part of my background. I had multiple terrible jobs that helped motivate me to make sure I studied in the libraries on the weekend and, uh, and never gave up hope despite how unsurmountable the standardized tests were like MCATs or even the SATs would make me shake. So I always love speaking to the next generation about 
what their barriers are. Technically, both Dr. Novaras and I are ESL kids, and uh, <laughs> you might not be able to tell now, but it's definitely an important part of our journeys, I feel. Amazing. Well, you both emphasized being activists while you were students. So can you just elaborate? You're now practicing physicians. You run programs. You're uh, widely known around the country. People honor you. But can you tell us a little bit, how do you engage in activism? What, what, what can one do in your position? This is a biggie. I really think um, for the young people listening, it, it really can be spiritual. This is, this is not only how we were raised, but I think having some type of faith is important. Um, I'm going to share what the opening uh, sentence is of my medical school application because I think it really helps center my activism. And that uh, sentence is, social justice is the soul of my existence, which medicine will nourish. And Wow. wow. Yeah. I really um, thank Hugo Mora, who's an amazing pipeline uh, advocate and leader and champion and without his mentorship and guidance and helping me create that statement, I don't know where I'd be because I think it's really been sort of, quote unquote, my true north for since the beginning. And I so appreciate Ugo for helping me um, be create that because it's true. And I think that's why I, I rarely, I don't know about the word burnout because this is a marathon and I plan to finish it. I plan to not only make change now, but make sure I change who's at the table and the legacies that follow us. I, I don't expect there to be an end. And I know the outcomes may not happen till long after I'm gone, but I remain very committed to making sure, um, you know, that that true north is, is there. And I think meeting people like Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta help you sort of see how you really have to have a sort of generational approach to activism. It can't just be the here and now despite all the social media that makes us think that there's instant things we can do. They do count, all of that counts, but you have to have a long-term focus. Mm -hmm. Dr. Sanchez said so many things so well, um, but how do, we, how, do, how do we stay engaged in activism? And I think one thing is, I've always gone is that you can't push forward unless you really don't honor the past in a way and understand what has been done in the past to get you where you stand. So, um, uh, you know, Dr. Bautista broke doors to get into academia. And there's, I wouldn't be here as a physician if people didn't break doors uh, down to help others. And so, as um, Dr. Sanchez says, it's really understanding what was done in the past and finding a mission that you really feel that is yours, that no matter what happens, you can, you, you can find your way. And so staying active and preventing the burnout is really know what the mission is. It has to be something that is true to you. Something that if you make a hard decision, you can still sleep with at the end of the night, because if you're making hard decisions and you can't really, and you just can't keep sleeping because you are like, is that the right decision? Even if it's the wrong decision, as long as you did it because it's 
aligned with your mission, you will prevent burnout and you can be able to stay active. And so along the way, my mission has really been, you know, equity. And I I was good in science. It became medicine equity. And in there, you're like, you notice a lot of things that are inequitable. And how can I, as Dr. Sanchez say, stay at the table and find ways to do that? And for me, it was academics. We have um, we help medical students, we help high school students, we have college students who want to go into medicine and treat patients who look like their family members. And that is my, you know, one of my goals. And I was able to blend the two. So that is how I stay, I was able to blend activism is my mission was health equity. And I really enjoy t- teaching. And along the way, how can the two be blended? And that helps prevent burnout. If they were conflicting missions, then there would be more burnout. You know, um, about 30, 40 years ago, I bought a book in Mexico City. It was in Spanish titled El Medico Politico, that is the politically involved physician. And Latin America has a long tradition of this. Uh, A number of presidents of Mexico have been physicians, such as Gomez Farias, who sent the Ijar Padres colony to California, Um, Salvador Allende, Che Guevara, there's a, it's a tradition in Latin America, and oddly enough, we've been sort of replicating that here in California, and we do have our roots in Latin America. So I would like you to chat a little bit with students, because sometimes we have students that really get involved in activism and activities, and they find it hard to make room for their academics. And what would you say when someone just, I mean, it really feels good to do things, but you still need to master the content but what would you oh Oh, so much to say here um i i i like what a mentor said to me once uh, or said in front of a room i learned the most from my mistakes and i would if anyone any students really struggling please come to me because i had to learn to be human which means sleeping adequately eating healthy and and being realistic about what's achievable. And another hero of mine, Hi Doyle, um, who I met over 30 years ago now, helped me understand that the importance of, of saying no, which is so painful when really all you wanna do is level the playing field and make things right. So, but you, you can't do that if you don't have the, the degree. If you don't have that piece of paper, you're not going to be able to achieve that. So I really had to learn to balance my schedule and make sure I was taking good care of myself because it was getting rough to keep it all up. So I really thank people like Dr. Doyle and, and others who pointed out like, how much are you sleeping? Which might seem like an interesting question, but I do think, you know, now taking care of people so long, that's that's key. So um, please pay attention to your advisors, your advocates, your mentors. And I almost think if, if someone's asking you a question that sort of gets under your skin, like, pues, quien sabe ellos, and I know what I'm doing, they might be pointing out something that you need to work on. And so for me, when you know I looked obviously tired, I'm glad someone said, like, how much are you sleeping? And And gently helped me try to understand the importance of saying no to certain things that that I just could not add to the schedule. Mm -hmm. 
another reason for duty hours these days. Dr. Nevarez? I think um, as the question was, you know, sometimes people struggle with being active and being able to stay on their academics. I think one thing is we need to learn patience. Uh, and if we learn patience, you'll be able to treat patients. Um, and we, we, we gotta go, we get small, feel comfortable as Dr. Sanchez has said with the small wins along the way, but you may not win the big battle right now. The big battle is getting yourself into medical school. That's what your battle should be. And really understanding if that's your mission, good. But as Dr. Sanchez says, um, I can knock on the door as Ms. Navarez, and not too many people are going to open the door. But if I knock on the door as Dr. Navarez, the, the door is going to open more. So that's how I can advocate and be active is I got the doctor title. And this will, you just got to be patient, um, continue to be active, but also, as Dr. Sanchez said, rest, study, and you will get to your goal. And ask for help. I think that's the one thing sometimes uh, we're afraid and especially of Latinos is to ask for and of any one of URM is to ask for help. And I'm glad that some of the newer generations getting more comfortable asking for help, but ask for help when it's needed, whether it's medical, mental, um, any type of health that you may need to help you get to your journey to be able to get a balance and reach those goals of academics. Because um, there's sometimes that I've seen students who they didn't ask for help. And it was just that they had a little bit of a, a learning difficulty. And once that learning difficulty was taken, they were able to succeed, but they have to be able to ask and not just go, I can do it, I can do it. That's sometimes I think um, those some people just wanna do everything themselves, but they there's, there's people out there who wanna help. And there are people like Dr. Batista, um, many people who've done the, the trip before everyone else that want to give back and help. So please ask for help. If I may, Doctor, please, or Professor, please. I, the way I simplify what Dr. Navarro said so well is that it has to be a we thing and not a me thing to, to make it. And, and, and especially if you're going to be an activist, if you always are working alone or trying to create your own solutions, despite all the wonderful resources you can do for yourself, it's so important you have a tribe around you that can be honest with you when perhaps you need the help and and please be open to hearing it because we've met a lot of people that we wish they would have asked for help or listened to the help sooner so make sure you it's a we thing not a me thing right you can't do it all on your own look for those advocates and those heroes that can inspire you to keep going and going to the library versus going on social media late at night. Yes, I, definitely a rabbit hole. Uh, some of us were at the uh, ACGME meeting in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education and Provider Wellness, Resident Wellness, uh, was a really big topic, uh, particularly during COVID. So I'm just wondering if you could uh, share some uh, of your experience, particularly looking at the younger residents and trying to deal with burnout and how did they do it and what did you do to help them do it? Um, you can get burnout at any time, but COVID was seemed to be a, a particularly stressful time. Thank you. Um, I think, I mean, we, we were 
both faculty and we did go through COVID and we're still through COVID, but it's a much different than it was in February, 2020. Um, and I would say the burnout really started maybe more a year and a half or two into it. Um, in the beginning, it was, it was more fear. So a little too scared to get burned out. Then it was, okay, let's buckle our belts and let's, we'll get through it. Um, but after that, it was really then there's only so much that you can keep pushing yourself to the limits. And what the residents and us found to try to get us keep going through was, uh, as Dr. Sanchez said, was the team. We started to really, you know, when people asked for help, the team jumped in and tried to help out as much as it could. So if someone needed to take time off, we were able as a team and really trying to advocate for people to ask for help and create a culture where help is um help is asking for help is okay. And I think that's when you got, when anyone is looking for a job, find people that you are going to be able to ask for help and that, you know, are going to try when they uh, try to help you when they can. And that I think is one thing that really helped and how some people did the uh, burnout was they would have socials, as you know, um, meetings on teams. We would have meetings on zoom uh, things at the park. I think, we are, we're lucky our clinic is next to a park, but I think prior to the pandemic, we've never really used the park, but during the pandemic, we used, we got used to using the park was literally next door. We got used to using our parking structure, right? Before the pandemic, you would drive your car in the parking structure, leave it. The parking structure became a place where we would meet. The parking structure became a place we would eat. It would became a place that we could gather and have lunch together because it was outside. And so um, it was learning how new ways of taking care of yourself and new ways of working with your team. Amazing. Dr. Sanchez. Another huge topic for me, just personally, um, losing family members during COVID, my father almost dying. So it's, it's personal, but that being said, that's when it gets real. That's when I think as um, healthcare professionals, having something outside of yourself, you know, and, and something faith-based can, can really make a difference. And I know that uh, it can be a hot topic, but for me, and I think for others, where literally there was huge factions of people in society saying this wasn't real and the vaccine deniers, there's been like iterations of this uh, you know, I don't even know what to put it, but some people call it a moral failing. But these are big deal things when you commit your life to quote unquote helping people and lethal viruses uh, being denied and, and the science denier, shall we say. But for me, I think that's why I'm so thankful for the community I'm in, because despite all this darkness, there was levity, there was musica there was comida and we really had to keep it simple and often, right? Like, somos humanos and we want connection. So making that connection in the simplest of ways, despite the masks and the, the shields and the moon suits, you could still feel it. So um, that's where I always love asking people, what's your movimiento music? What, what's your playlist when you're feeling down and overwhelmed? Because for me, that helps me 
get out of my technical head that wants an algorithm to cure cancer, for example. You know, I think physicians can be their own worst enemies. And when it comes to global pandemics, we can't fix with an algorithm. It's been a great challenge and we're still not through it. I think this has been a good example of you can only think and study something so far. And then at a certain point, you need to rest. You need to pray or whatever you do and come back and make sure you're surrounded with people that are just as disciplined and hungry and humble, as I would say, to, to find a solution for mm -hmm. everybody, not just for the wealthy. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of your music and your playlists, um, you're not MDs 24-7, although sometimes it may feel like it. So when you take that hat off and say, okay, I'm going to kick back, just uh, share with us to the extent you're willing to just what are you passionate about besides medicine? What what gets you going? What lifts you up? Uh, for me, uh, I just came back this weekend from Phoenix watching the World Baseball Classic. Uh, so it's baseball. You know, going one of the first things um, once the rules started getting a little less stringent was to go to a Dodger game. And um, being an L.A. person, uh, having a like uh, Mexican American, a Mexican father who grew up um, watching the Dodgers. Um, Dodgers for us were a, it's a family thing. And being able to go back to doing that um, was, you know, very satisfying and almost a relief, a, a relief. Even though the first time I went back, I had a mask on and we couldn't sit next to strangers, but it was almost a little return to normalcy. And so for me, it's baseball. And that also brings in family because you we do baseball. I go with my nephews or I go uh, with my dad. Our family sits and watches games. And so for us, it's sports. It's something that I really like enjoying. And the second thing is photography. Um, it's something where there's usually still life photography is what I like to do. Uh, silence. Uh, you can just sit there and stare at a flower, different angles, different ways, and take a photo and see if you can capture the feeling you can when it's a, the silence of a flower just sitting there in the air. So those are two, a, two things that I like to do. Dr. Sanchez? Well, I've shared musica, but in particular, Spanish. I, mm -hmm. I think that just really helps center me. Mm -hmm. And um, when everything was shut down, I really relied on just Spanish language, radio, TV, like that just helps calm me down. But um, this is the no hay mal de que bien no venga. When it came to Zoom, I got on a weekly, at least weekly call with my first generation friends from college who all are amazing advocates, uh, activists, I should say. So that was a blessing because they're all in different parts of the country. So I think those connections are really important outside of my family as well. I'd also say enjoying simple things like um, just going for a walk never felt so good, you know, without a mask. I think when you when you had to wear a mask 24 seven, really savoring those moments when you didn't have to was uh, was and still is a little, I would say, relief. Mm -hmm. um and i i'm just going to emphasize again enough please don't forget to sleep as much as pandemics make us want to stay up all night don't forget to sleep especially if you're going to be trying to take care of someone at 8 a.m yeah. in the morning i always remember dr high doyle his advice the night before the big tests the night before the final the night before the mcat don't cram sleep 
And so, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it really works. It really works. I mean, your brain Absolutely. has got to process things and Absolutely. you need to give the brain time to do its work. All right. We're almost out of time here, but could each one of you, if you could sit down to your younger self, say maybe uh, first or second year of undergrad uh, pre-med, uh, what would you like to tell yourself about growing up and arriving to where you are? Dr. Sanchez, you want to try that first? Oh, wow. You know, the first thing I'd have to say is what I pay attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with younger cells. Right, right. The second would be paciencia. You know, I'm going to simple, like, just simplify it. Patience, like have patience. No te desesperas, you know, don't get too overwhelmed. Like, um, yeah, and like the metaphor I used earlier, it's a marathon. So I need to drink a lot of water, take my stretching breaks. I need to prepare and be fit. I think um, as Dr. Doyle taught me, you know, even taking a test is like a sport. And that, that I identify with that. Like, I'm not gonna win one day that the next. There's no instant, um, solution to this you got to put the time the sweat and the hurt into it without expecting instant um success so i think just pacing myself and and not getting so anxious about things that hadn't happened yet mm -hmm. is what i'd say to myself Doctora Nevarez? i think for me if you if i talk to myself at first or second year college i think my goal was to become a doctor and i did everything i could to become a doctor but I think I never thought I would have to come up with another goal and being open to another goal, right? And you're going to have to set a new goal. And that's something it's like, yeah, once I become a doctor, what's next, right? And that's being able to redefine yourself to stay true to your mission or what your true self is. But you have to continue to remember you're going to keep making new goals and that there's not a one big goal at the end. It may be, but if you do reach it, what's after it? You have to be open to create new goals and grow and expand. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Teresa Nevarez and Dr. Gloria Sanchez. Thank you very much for being with us, sharing your life, sharing your journey, sharing your vision, dreams, sharing your anti-burnout strategies. Um, this, this will be very, very, very good advice for a lot of people out there, our listeners who are going through that pre-med or even the medical school journey or even the residency journey. So that's it for this week. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already done so. And oh, by the way, if you'd like to support us, go to our website and click the support us button. And any and all that you can contribute will help our, uh, support our research, our podcast, our public service, and our educational activities. Our executive producers for this segment were Adriana Valdez and Seda Santiso Greenwood. This episode was written by Brandy Lopez and Giselle Hernandez. Editing was provided by Elias Rodriguez and music was provided by Mariachi de Uclatlan. Tune in for the next episode as we delve further into topics of Latino culture, gente, and health.